listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. But today, which kind of is an offshoot of yesterday because... As we were talking about your purpose, I started to get into a little bit um, relationships that the enemy sends to destroy your purpose. And um, anybody that's on can tell and knows that that happens. Morning, Dory, Jackie Blake, Katie, Brittany, Teresa, anybody that's on that's ever lived (laughs) understands that's the case the enemy will literally send people to try to destroy your purpose discourage you i heard a preacher say something one time that i'll never forget you've probably heard me say it before look at my my, i'm like red they sat us outside yesterday at lunch and i sat in the sun for the first time in a long time had to get out of vampire mode Anyway, I heard a preacher say this one time. He said, anytime that God wants to bless you, he puts a person in your life. But every time the devil wants to curse you, he puts a person in your life. So it's the same method with two different outcomes, which is why you have to be so discerning when it comes to the people who are in your life. And so that's why we're dealing with this today uh, on the broadcast. We're talking about relationships that will um, literally destroy your purpose. That's why I call them deadly relationships because if you don't recognize these things ahead of time uh, in a person who wants to be your friend, whatever it might be, even if it's a romantic relationship, you've got to guard yourself. I mean, that's why the Bible uh, gives us those different kinds of instructions when it comes to even uh, romantic relationships. And so it's important Um. Kathy said, I'm seeing a shot of the ceiling. Anyone else? (laughs) Not me. Hey, Liz, Deb Dursey, what's up? Brittany said, yeah, he doesn't stop, but we have to know we're in Christ and the authority we carry. That's exactly right. Discernment is needed. Discernment is needed. It's required uh, anytime you're you're dealing with relationships because um, one of the biggest things, and I do mean biggest because I see it so often, that destroys people when, um, oh, look at that. I can share my own broadcast. When they're when they're doing what God's called them to do, I don't know if that caused me to break away, um, is the fact that you're not necessarily wanting to displease the Lord. It's not that you're in a place where you're trying to deviate from what God's called you to do. It's just that if you don't govern the relationships that are in your life, you can be pulled away from the things that God's called you to do. (laughs) Mackenzie said he sent my in-laws. Just kidding. She's trying to cause trouble this early on the broadcast. Can't believe it. Mackenzie, I'm going to have to have a talk with you next week when I, or this this week when I get there. Um, Look at this. I had a friend for uh, 20 years. Holy Spirit was telling me to cut off and I was questioning. God led three people to tell me the same thing. Cut her off. 
And I'll deal with that because you hear things like that and people are like, that doesn't sound Christian to me. You know, it doesn't sound Christian to me to cut people off. Blah, blah. It's Christian. <laughs> it's in the Bible. And uh, we'll deal with some of that today. But it's not walking in love to continually entertain things that are displeasing to God. That's not walking in love. You know, let me let me deal with this in the outset because I know people are going to have questions today about okay, if if these relationships aren't supposed to be in my life, if I'm supposed to somehow separate um, you know myself from these relationships, you know that, that's not walking in love. That's not Christian. That's not the Christian way of doing things. I want to say something about walking in love at the outset of this broadcast, and that is this, and I want you to write it in the comments. The first person that we are required to walk in love toward is God. Remember that. I'm supposed to walk in love towards God first. Not other people, not myself, not towards God first. So when you make up in your mind, I'm going to walk in love toward God. You know, that's something that probably hit me a couple years ago that I thought you see all these people preaching on walking in love. But when do you hear anyone preaching on the fact that you should walk in love toward God? You don't hear that. You don't hear people preach that, but it's number one. It's the number one priority. If I'm walking in love, I need to walk in love toward God before anybody else. Morning, Lenan. Well, what, is that, what does that mean? I mean, let's define that. I mean, what does it actually mean? Well, a, a verse of scripture that we've quoted on the broadcast often is found in uh, the gospel of John chapter 14 and verse 21, because the Bible says, and Jesus is speaking, by the way, and he says, those who have my commandments and keep them, it is he who loves me. So, before I finish the verse, he's saying the truest proof that you love me or that you love God is that you obey my word. He said, it's he that loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him or one translation says and reveal myself to him. So Jesus is making the case that if you don't obey the word, then guess what? It's proof you don't truly love God or Christ. And so the first person that we walk in love toward is the Lord God. John 14, 21 tells us we love him by obeying his word. Okay, well, if that's the case and we are willing to keep people around in our lives, in our churches, whatever, in our fellowship, that are continually disregarding instructions, corrections, the word of God, it means that now in order to keep those people around, we have to disobey the word of God. Let me say that one more time because it's so important. If we've got people around that disregard God's word, instructions from leaders, correction, biblical correction from leaders, and we still decide to keep them around, we have to 
disregard God's word or disobey God's word in order to keep those people around. Because the Bible instructs us to, first of all, separate those people from the church and have nothing to do with them, not even eat with such a one. And it's not like they had no chances. We're supposed to give them chances. It says after warning them once and then twice, if they won't listen, then it says on the third time, you disconnect from them. You cut them out from the assembly. You look at some of Paul's letters, he was telling them, kick this person out of your church. Turn, their, t- turn them over to Satan for the destruction of their soul. So it needs to be said uh, right off the bat that relationships are vitally important. And I want, one of the things I want to say to you is that you need to think of yourself as more important. I don't know what's going on. People are dropping off almost like it happens when we lose connection on Facebook. But if you also see me, throw a hand up in the comments. Hey, Brian. Um, one of the things you got to understand is you've got to view yourself as important. Thank you. Okay, so we're good. You've got to view yourself as important, important enough to guard yourself from wrong relationships, right? One of the reasons, and I, and I will deal with this at the beginning before we get into the five different types of relationships. Um, one of the reasons people are willing to keep bad relationships around is because they don't value themselves enough to create boundaries, to lay down the law about how somebody talks to them or treats them or whatever. And so, and I'm sure you've seen that. It's based out of insecurities. It's based out of previous hurt. And so because of that, people won't lay down the law and they'll allow any relationships. Maybe loneliness, Luanda said, it's true. And so because of these things, people will just kind of allow anything in their life. And it's, in all honesty, it's dangerous. Becky said, how do you, or how do we handle family members who aren't believers? They're maybe atheists. You still love them. You do your best. You show them love. But I would not entertain any of their foolishness, not any. And that's true foolishness. The Bible says it's the fool who has said in their heart, there is no God. So I'm, I'm dealing with the atheist position. The fool has said in their heart, there is no God. Atheists are fools. Every last one of them are fools. Doesn't mean they're not intelligent. There's many atheists that are very intelligent academically. They're educated, uh, very smart people in the natural, but the Bible calls them fools. To deny the existence of God in and of itself is a foolish position. And so, yes, I would love them. I would continue to love them, pray for them. But I wouldn't entertain any of their foolishness, especially if you have children in your house that are young and impressionable. Uh, I would not let them spend time with those people, go to their house, hang out with them. I've got no time for that. I've got no time for that. The eternity of my children is more important than making sure that somebody that's, you know, 
denies the existence of God and mocks Christianity feels good about how they are, you know, are with my family. I'm just telling you, I'm very much that way. Doesn't mean I don't love them, but I'm not putting up with the foolishness. And so, see, we get this wrong idea of how God thinks about people. We think that we should beat our head against a wall for 20 years until somebody gets saved. Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible does not teach it. Jesus even told his disciples. He said, if you go to a town or a city and you preach the gospel there and they don't receive you, then shake the dust off of your feet and leave it and go somewhere else. He doesn't say stay there for 20 years until a breakthrough comes. He said, shake the dust off of your feet and go somewhere else. There's many people in the world. Many people need to be saved. Many need to hear the gospel message. Think of how foolish it is to keep trying to beat somebody over the head with the gospel message that have heard it 50 times when there's some people that haven't heard it once. And so I, I'm not beating my head against a brick wall for people that are just ignorant and they're belligerent. I'm not doing it. Love you, praying for you personally, but I'm not spending time with you. And so we have to, we have to guard ourselves because this stuff's all around. Not everybody grew up in a church uh, home, church environment. You know, there's people that are dealing with this stuff on a daily basis. And it needs to be said. It needs to be said. Good morning, Janine. And so uh, walking in love does not mean putting up with everybody's crap all the time. And people think that that's what it means in the body of Christ. Well, I got to put up with everybody's junk because, uh, you know, I'm walking in love. That's not what it means. That's not what it means. We don't put up with everybody's crap just because we're walking in love. Yes, we make room for one another's faults. But if you've got a person who continually rejects, correct, and I'm talking about especially that calls themselves a Christian. That's right, Jen. Christianity is not being a doormat. Uh, if you've got a person that claims to be a Christian that will not listen to people's, and I'm talking about spiritual leaders, correction, instruction, and just continues to do what they want and cause division and all this stuff, separate from them and don't feel a bit bad about it because the Bible commands us to do it. The first person we walk in love toward is God himself. And by doing that, we're obeying his word. And then everything else comes below that. And you'll never displease God if you'll continue to just obey his word. So let me deal with this because yesterday we talked about your purpose, talked about the fact that it's time sensitive, that it's location based, that it's people sensitive. And so how do we now deal with it? Because since we know it is people sensitive or people, uh, uh, what's the best way I should say that? Uh, it's people based. God will tie you or connect you to people in your purpose. How do you identify the wrong people and stay free from those kinds of relationships? Well, Let's, let's identify the kinds of people we're talking about. Uh, the first type of relationship, and I'm going to start here, and I want you to put them in the comments. Yeah, good, Becky. The first type of person that you've got to um, make sure that you stay free from, that you uh, guard yourself against or avoid, are the doubters, those that try to contain what God's told you. They, they say it could never happen. You know, watch out for number one, doubters. And the enemy has an endless supply, it seems like, of these types of people that are sent towards your life. 
So the doubters, these are people that literally the enemy will send to you to continually put words of doubt and unbelief in your spirit to try to stop you or hinder you from what the Lord's called you to do. Good morning, Christina. And so what happens is you've got these people, they wouldn't believe anything. I mean, you could have miracles happen in your Sunday morning service, visible miracles. And these people are like, well, I don't know if that was real. Well, it's because you're a doubter. You're an unbeliever. And you got to be careful of this because the enemy will send people who doubt God's power. They doubt his purpose in you. They doubt the moving of the Holy Spirit. They doubt all that. And what happens is if you hang with them, you're going to continually listen, have to listen to what they have to say. And anytime there's something good God wants to do, they're talking against it. They're doubting it. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't Oh, I don't know. Dangerous thing. Doubt is a dangerous thing. If it doesn't proceed from faith, it's sin. Romans 14, 23. If it doesn't proceed from faith, it's sin. It's a sin to doubt the word of God. It's a sin to doubt the power of God. And so you have to understand the Bible is very clear on this point. All things are possible with God and all things are possible to them that believe. So why would I ever doubt God? Why would I ever doubt his purpose in my life? Why would I ever doubt his calling upon my life? Why would I ever doubt what he's doing in the earth? And so here's the thing. Uh, Nancy asks a great question. What happens if you are the doubter yourself? Then you need to build your faith. Then you need to build your faith. Because if you have issues with doubt or unbelief, then you need to acquire more faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's uh, found in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Faith comes by hearing, or excuse me, not, not uh, Hebrews chapter 11, it's Romans 10, 17. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So understand this. If you're dealing with doubt and unbelief in your life, then you need to listen to preaching and teaching that builds faith. That's why I'm glad you're here on this broadcast. I'm glad, I'm sure you go to church. You need to listen to preachers, not just Sunday morning, but through the week. You know, you need to be building your faith with preaching and teaching. If you understand that uh, when Jesus encountered unbelief and doubt, Notice what he did to remedy that. It's found in Mark chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 6. He went back to his hometown, couldn't do any mighty work there because of their unbelief. And he marveled at their unbelief. So what did he do? The Bible says, then he continued through their villages, their synagogues, preaching and teaching. So as my father has preached for years, preaching and teaching are the cure for unbelief. I want you to put that in the comments. Preaching and teaching are the cure for unbelief. Preaching and teaching, thank you, Rose, are the cure for unbelief. So if you're battling unbelief, if you say, well, like, as she said, what, what happens if I'm the doubter? Build your faith. Build it by reading the word of God daily. Build it by listening to preaching and teaching. You know, we've made that so easy. You say, how have you made it so easy? 
we created Miracle Word Radio, which is literally a 24-7 digital radio station that's on our app. That literally, you don't even have to go searching for faith, preaching, and teaching. You don't have to browse YouTube. You don't have to ask somebody, what's a good message? You can literally open the app and hit play, and there's a nonstop stream of preaching and teaching to just build your faith. It doesn't even cost you anything. And so we did that because we know and understand there are people who are battling with doubt and unbelief. They need faith built And there's no better way, according to scripture, than to receive the word of God. So I encourage you, jump on Miracle Word app, turn on Miracle Word radio, and let that bad boy play. Let it play. Caitlin, is your Alexa skill still working for Miracle Word radio? Just just curious. I just wondering if it was still still functioning properly for you. So we think I think it went down for a little bit. Let me know in the comments. So doubt and unbelief are dangerous. Just you build yourself up. But if it's another person, oh, she says, yes, it's still working. If there's a if there's another person um, who literally is trying to be a part of your life, but they refuse to build faith, they refuse to get outside of doubt, unbelief, which is a sin to doubt God, then you need to learn that if they refuse to do it, Cut that relationship off. I don't have any relationships in my life because I curate my relationships. I don't have any relationships in my life with people who have doubt and unbelief in their in their spirit. None, not one. You say, well, that's easy to do, brother. Everybody in your family's in the ministry and all, but I know people that aren't in. I don't talk to them anymore. I know people that don't have the same beliefs that I do. I don't fellowship with them anymore. I don't have time for that kind of a lifestyle. Jesus is coming. Work has to be done. I'm not going to waste my time with people who have heard the message, that have seen the stuff, and they know what's true. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Cash says, this is hard. Uh, what about teenagers, young adults? My kids, especially, influenced uh, negatively in the end of their by their late dad who swayed their views via atheism, white supremacy. And you know you have to believe that the power of God's powerful enough to do it, what it's sent to do. And pray for your children. You don't stop praying for them. You believe God. But they need a touch from the Lord. And they need to uh, have that kind of an encounter, you know. And so there's some tools I could send you as well um, that would help uh, cast for your for your kids too. There's a great book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by Norman Geisler and Frank Turek. Excellent book. I don't... Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist is the name of the book. If you've got teenagers, if you've got kids, they need to read that thing because it is a great, great book. And yes, get them to the Upward Conference. So doubters, you got to cut that doubt and unbelief out of your life because let me tell you, there's no shortage. There's no shortage of people that will, that will tell you, oh, I don't know if you should be doing that, brother. Sister, I don't know. I don't know if you should be. I don't know if that you need to be attempting that. You know, there's people that mock you because you're taking steps of faith, or then they get all bent out of shape because you're doing something that they're not doing. It's like, oh, really? You're going to do that? You felt the need to do that, did you? You think you're somebody? Lift your hand in the comments if you've dealt with those people. I've dealt with them. 
Oh, really? That's what you're going to do? You think you got something going over there? Yeah, because the Lord told me to do it. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of that. There's the link, by the way, on Amazon. Uh, don't have enough faith to be an atheist. People have dealt with that. New Living Translation's great for new believers, teenagers, kids. And so I'm not putting up with that. I'm not dealing with these people who uh, don't believe what God said. If you don't believe it, that's your business. I believe it. You know, it's like you think about the... Um, <laughs> You think about the the captain of the guard in 2 Kings 4, or 2 Kings 6. And there'd been a, a famine. Elisha prophesied food's coming, and it'll be cheap. Oh, he's like, you know what? If God opened up the windows of heaven, that couldn't happen. Oh, really? Yeah, you'll see it happen, and you won't eat any of it. Because you're a doubter. And you're they're not going to stop what God's going to call called you to do. But at the same time, they won't be able to participate either. They will not be able to participate in the blessings of God if they doubted God. Um, and so you got to understand that. Cut doubters out. That's number one. They're dangerous uh, in regard to your purpose. Number two, complainers. I can't deal with unthankful people. What, let me tell you, a way to shut God's presence down, just be unthankful. Just be a complainer. Thanksgiving and praise attract the blessing of God. It attracts the blessing of God. Thanksgiving and praise. Zach, write this phrase down, battling with beasts. Just for the future. Just had a spirit, a spiritual thought come to me. <laughs> battling with beasts from a scripture. Unthankful people, complainers. I can't deal with complaining. I can't, I mean, just in the natural realm. I can't deal with people that complain in the United States of America. We're so blessed. We have no room to complain. Of course, Christians, no matter what country you're in, you shouldn't complain. But I can't deal with these American people complaining. I mean, I'm. A, you need to just travel around the world and see what other people are doing, how they're living, what they have available to them. You can't get into the presence of God without thanking him. That's right, Mackenzie. And so we've got to be thankful people. That's the deal. We've got to be thankful people. And if you got complainers around you, if you've got unthankful people around you, separate yourself or correct it. I mean, like say, listen, I don't talk like that personally and, and I'm just tired. I don't want to hear you complaining about everything all the time. So if you're going to complain, you say, really, you would say that to somebody? You better believe I would say it to somebody. Because literally, unthankfulness is a, presence of God repellent, unthankfulness. It's a presence of God repellent. Sandra said, is there such a thing as modern sacrificial thanksgiving? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when the Bible talks about giving God a sacrifice of praise, you know, your flesh does not always feel like praising God or thanking God or praying or doing any things we're supposed to do. It is a sacrifice for your flesh, but the Bible says that we're called to be a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. So we offer ourselves up, Cass. We offer ourselves up to the Lord and we, we say to our flesh, you don't feel like doing it, but that doesn't matter because you're not in charge of me. My spirit man's in charge of me. 
So if I feel like praying or not, I'm going to pray. If I feel like praising God or not, I'm going to praise him. If I feel like thanking him or not, I'm going to thank him. And Mackenzie brings up a great point. It can be contagious. If you don't understand, you will. You'll jump right in and join in with unthankfulness and complaining. And you don't want to be in that crowd, let me tell you. You don't want to be in that crowd because that's a dangerous place to be. You want to cut yourself off from the blessing of God real quick, just start complaining and getting unthankful. You know, thankfulness is so powerful. It's so powerful that it literally attracts God's favor to your life. As you begin to thank him and praise him, you know, one of the things that, uh, I love is that people who have faith uh, are not just praising God and thanking him for the things that he's already done, but they are thanking and praising him for things that they're believing he will do. If you've read my book on fasting that I released this year, A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting, when I deal with the, the, the area of how do you pray? How do you pray when you fast? Well, I, I introduced the thought of a Thanksgiving and praise sandwich. If you've if you've read the book, I talk about a Thanksgiving and praise sandwich. You say, well, what's that? Well, when some people jump into prayer, it seems like they jump first right into asking God to do stuff for them. They're requesting him. And I understand there's times of, of emergency and things like that, but I'm talking on a daily basis. And people jump in and they start, literally, they start just asking God for stuff. And that's not the biblical way that prayer is supposed to go. By the way, if you've logged on, I don't know if I've said this, but take a minute to share this broadcast today on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Let people know what we're talking about. But that's not the Bible way to pray. The Bible way to pray, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter into his courts with praise. And so you wouldn't even go into the Holy of Holies until you'd done the other two. When I say a thanksgiving and praise sandwich, what I'm talking about is the fact that I sandwich my requests to God between thanksgiving and praise on both sides. So if you looked at it, if the, if the, if the requests, my prayer requests were the meat of the sandwich, then the bread on both sides is thanksgiving and praise. So I start every prayer session by thanking God for what he's already done, praising God for what he's already done and who he is. And then after I've taken a good amount of time to thank him and praise him, then I'll begin to ask him for things that I'm believing for according to his word. But when I'm done asking him for those things, you know what I'll do? I'll thank him and praise him again. I'll thank him and praise him for what he's about to do, what he's going to do. Because I so believe that he's going to do it, I thank him ahead of time. I so believe he's going to do it. I praise him ahead of time. See? And so it's a Thanksgiving and praise sandwich. And when you begin to thank God for his goodness, praise God for his goodness, it attracts his favor. It attracts his blessing because he inhabits the praises and thanksgiving of his people. And when you get into his presence, not only is there fullness of joy, the Bible says at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's pleasures forevermore. And so you take the time to thank him and praise him. And I'm telling you, it'll change everything about your life when you're a person of thanksgiving and praise. It'll change everything. So you got to guard yourself against complainers. 
those that are always moaning, complaining. Look at the people, the people of God in the wilderness. They never stopped complaining. Never stopped complaining. And it blows my mind. And we're supposed to always give thanks. And that's a scripture that I had in my uh, in my notes that Lenan just posted, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. With thanksgiving, we let our request, that's why I was telling you about the Thanksgiving and prayer sandwich. As I'm making my request known, I do it with thanksgiving. And you got to do the same and separate yourself from complainers and those that are always, uh, you know, I don't get away from that. That does not breed the blessing. And it's dangerous to your purpose. It'll crush your purpose. The third type of relationship that you've got to watch out for in your own personal life uh, and, and in regards to your purpose is lazy people, lazy relationships, people that are just they won't you can't get them to do anything. You can't literally get anybody to do anything. It's like the late, it's almost like a spirit of laziness. And I know it may not be, but it's it's just poor discipline on some people's part. But that, that you got to literally, because as Mackenzie said earlier, if you don't want something rubbing off on you, one thing I can definitely tell you that you don't want rubbing off on you is laziness. Laziness, man. You do not want that rubbing off on you. God's not looking for lazy people. I can tell you that right off the bat. Listen to this. Let me read you 1 Corinthians 15, 33 real quick. Don't be deceived, Paul writes. Bad company ruins good morals. You pray for him, Dory. So what if your husband's one of those complainers? You pray for him. Maybe make a comment every once in a while. Don't become a nag about it, but pray for him. And just get, you know what, maybe get very effusive in your Thanksgiving while you're around him. You know what I mean? Look, every time he's around, if he starts getting in a complaint, just start thanking God for the good things you have right in front of him. Just let him hear it all the time, how thankful you are. How That'll rub off on him. Bad company corrupts good morals or good character. I don't want bad company corrupting me. I don't want bad company corrupting me. And so you understand, um, Lenan said, yes, procrastination too. You're, you're right. Laziness and procrastination destroy somebody's purpose. Brian's going where I'm going. Uh, here, as I got it in my notes, um, in Proverbs, you can go with me there and you can turn there if you want in your Bible. But it's the book of Proverbs, chapter 6. And we're going to go through 6 through 11. Listen to this now. Bible says, go to the ant. If your child's doing it, you correct them. Correct them. My kid, my parents did not ever let me or allow me to complain or, or be a complainer. Listen to this now on laziness. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways. And be wise. Danny said, how do I get a copy of the book on fasting? You can get it on Apple Books. You can get it on Amazon Kindle for your Kindle device. You can get it on Amazon.com. Get it on our website, MiracleWord.com. Um, if you just search a, a complete guide to biblical fasting or search my name, you'll find it. 
consider her ways and be wise. Well, what about the ant do we need to consider? She, she doesn't have any chief, any officer, or any ruler. She prepares her bread in the summer, gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Now listen to 10 and 11. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber. Want like an armed man. <clears throat> Sorry, I just got back from Wuhan, China. Um, and so <laughs> po poverty, poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. <laughs> There's the link to the book if you'd like to get it on our store, by the way, Danny. Uh, thank you. So what is, what is the Bible telling us here? It's telling us that if we will watch how the ant works, what's the, what's the thing? There is no laziness in the ant kingdom. They know what they need to do, and without anybody driving them, without anybody warning them, threatening them, they just do their work, and they have extra. They have plenty in the winter. They, I mean, you go through and look at it. You know, one of the things that's a, a dangerous sign, yeah, that bat soup, a dangerous sign is when somebody always has to be pushing you to produce. Always pushing you. Your boss shouldn't have to come by your desk and always, where's that report? I told you. I'm going to tell you, I look for self-motivators. I want to be around self-motivators. You know, Carol and I made up our mind, like as we continue to serve the Lord and, and God builds this ministry, we're not going to be around lazy people. We're going to be around self-motivators, people that are willing to do the work of the Lord and to do it with excellence. I would refuse to connect myself with anybody who was not a self-motivator, who was not, you can be sure that no lazy people will ever be around me. I'll never have a lazy person around uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I learned, especially when I was on staff working, and I just talked about this last week, but I learned to not only be a self-motivator, but to be a producer. God's looking for producers, if you didn't know. God's looking for producers. You look at the um, parable of the talents, Matthew 25. Guess who got rewarded? The producers got rewarded. Master, you gave me five talents. Here's 10 back. Oh, you produced at a high level. Well done. Master, you gave me two talents. Here's four back. Oh, you produced. Well done. Did you realize that even though that those two guys were on different levels, they still produced at the same percentage rate? Did you ever notice that? The reason one got five and one got two was not because the master loved one more than the other. It was based upon their previous abilities. Previous abilities. And the one who had five doubled it. But the one who had two doubled his. They were on different levels, but they produced at the same rate. Then the one. Well, I had one. I buried it in the ground. Here's your talent back. You wicked servant. You lazy servant. And then let him be cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Take what he has and give it to the one who has 10. See how the master literally is looking for producers? He is pleased with producers. 
and he's angry at the lazy and those that refuse to be diligent. I want you to put that in the comments. God is pleased with producers. Man, that, that coffee's so hot, I gotta be careful even sipping it. Burn your whole face off, Zach. <laughs> shout out, by the way, shout out to our sponsor, Yeti. If you wanna keep a coffee hot through half the day, eight hours of hot coffee, grab a, a Yeti mug. Brought to you by, brought to you by Yeti. God is pleased with producers. God's looking for producers. That's the key. He's looking for producers. Don't be lazy and don't let lazy people. One of the things is, you know, you become, they've actually proved this, by the way. And um, uh, maybe it's kind of an unofficial thing. I've read it in multiple books now. They say that you will become the average of the five people that you hang around with the most. You will become the average of the five people you hang out with the most. That's why I try to hang out with people that are above me, beyond me. I want to hear what people have to say that are, you know, beyond where I'm at. You know, if you've got your group of people, they all kind of drive the same type of cars. They live in the same type of houses. They work the same type of jobs. They eat at the same type of restaurants. In all honesty, you become the average of who you allow yourself to be around. That's, that's who you become. So if you're going to surround yourself with lazy people, guess what's going to happen? You're going to take on those lazy procrastination traits. It's who you're going to become. And that's not pleasing to God. God's pleased with producers and it angers him when people uh, are literally uh, turn themselves into um, lazy, lazy bums, if I can say that. Lazy bums. It's crazy. And so you do not want to surround yourself with the lazy. Let me give you another one that'll destroy your purpose. Liars. If you have relationships with people that have been caught lying multiple times, you need to confront that. And if they refuse to change that, you need to separate yourself immediately. God hates lying, liars, and lies. Let me give you a word. Realize, realize, real lies. <laughs> God can't stand liars. All liars will have their place in the lake of fire, the Bible says. Liars. And so you got to be careful. If you got people around you that are liars, you need to you need to separate yourself real quick. You can't first of all, you can't trust them. If you can't trust them, why would you keep them around you? Why would you keep people around you that you can't trust? You're asking for trouble. You're asking for problems. You got liars around you, you're asking for trouble. You know. One of the things that really uh, blessed me, uh, I was listening to Pastor Enoch Adeboye, and he made a comment that I thought, man, that's so powerful. 
So powerful. He was talking about liars and why God hates liars so much and why God hates lying and lies so much. And he said, you know, it's not just because it's unrighteous, you know, but you think of the fact God is the truth. Think about that. God is the truth. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God is the truth because lies are opposed to his actual nature and character. Lies are opposed. That's what the Bible calls the devil, the father of lies. When you lie and when you live a life of lying, you're aligning yourself with the devil himself, who is the father of all lies. And the truth aligns you with Christ. The truth aligns you with God. And we've taught our children that like, if you do something wrong, yeah, you'll get in trouble for doing something wrong, but you'll get in even more trouble, far more trouble for lying about what you did wrong than the thing that you did that was wrong. Because lying is wicked. It's wicked. And so we've talked, and they understand that. Mommy and daddy hate lying. We're, we're ingraining that into them at a young age. We're not liars. And so that's how we carry it out. If you do something wrong, yeah, you might get in trouble for something you did wrong, but you'll get in far more trouble for lying about what you did wrong or being sneaky about it, deceiving about it deceptive and they know that we're, we're building that character in them to understand how bad lying is you know we live in a generation that doesn't think lying's that bad of a thing you know well we all need to lie sometimes that's you, know, you hear that raise your hand in the comments if you've heard that before well we all need to lie sometimes i mean lying's necessary it's a necessary evil you know sometimes we all need to lie Literally. Raise your hand if you've heard people say that. Foolishness. Well, we all need to lie sometimes. You're not helping anybody by lying. <laughs> well, what if you don't want to be mean, brother? What if you don't want to be mean? What if you just want to be polite and so it's just a white lie? You don't need to tell white lies. <laughs> How was that dinner? It was all right. <laughs> Thank you for making it. Hey, well, it was okay. It's like, well, you could have just said it was great. It wasn't great. <laughs> it wasn't a great dinner. Thank you for, I'm thankful you made it. Thank you for blessing us with your time and your semi-talent. And thank you, thank you for, but it wasn't great. It's okay. It's not bad. I don't have to lie to you to save your feelings. You know what? Maybe the truth will, will actually get you to, to press in harder on your cooking skills. I, I'm just, that, that's a help. I'm not saying it from a mean spirit. I'm saying it, was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. And thank you for doing it. We appreciate it. Or just don't say anything at all. If that freaks you out, if that freaks you out, then just don't say anything. Nancy said, what if you are forced to lie? I don't know what that means because everybody has a free will and you can do what you want. It's just that the consequences you may not want to suffer if you're forced to lie. 
I don't I don't know what forced to lie means because nobody's truly forced to lie. Everyone has a free choice. <laughs> and so liars are dangerous to have around. They're dangerous to have around, man. <laughs> Lilia said, couldn't be my cooking. Of course, Lily, you've never cooked me anything, and I, I hold that against you. So uh, next time I'm around, you better be doing a lot of cooking, a lot of cooking. You can't lie in love. <laughs> now, obviously, I'm not talking about the couple of exceptions in the Bible that uh, prove the rule, obviously. Uh, if it's in regards to something God was doing, you know, Pharaoh uh, was like, hey, how come you've not been killing these Israelite babies? Well, I told you yesterday that these 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 Israelite women, they're having babies so quickly, we can't even get to them before the babies come out. That was a lie. But God blessed them for protecting the lives of innocence and protecting the lives of his own people, his own children. And so, I mean, obviously God's not going to hold that against you if you're doing it to spare somebody's life. You know, if you've got a, I mean, don't be ridiculous about it. If you've got a murderer that comes in your home and your family's all hiding in different places in the house, tell me where your family is. Well, I can't lie. My son's under the bed. My wife's in the closet. Uh, I'd like to deceive you on this, but I am a Christian and I can't lie. No, I'm not talking about being foolish. You know what I mean. I don't even understand that. I was in a situation where I called the, called my place of work and told them the truth, but I was told to call the next day with a lie. They will only accept a lie. They told me what the lie they will accept. Then tell them I ain't saying that. I'll be fired. Find another job where they don't force you to lie. <laughs> Paula said, I told my husband, be honest about dinner or you'll get it again. So we don't, we don't, we don't like lying. We don't take lying. It's a wicked thing, and I separate myself. And let me tell you, if I catch people in a lie, I'll call them out on it. And but then here's the other thing: if I catch people in a lie, it's not that I don't have grace. I'm not connecting myself to a dangerous liar because you can't trust them with anything. If they'll lie to your face, then you can't trust them with anything. And I don't need that kind of. Uh, you know, danger in my life as I'm serving God. I'm not having it around. I'm not having it around. And so you need to understand that. You 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 cut those out. You cut liars out of your life. You cut liars out of your life. So number one, doubters. You got to get doubters out of your life. Number two, the unthankful. Get them out of your life. The lazy. Get the lazy out of your life. Number four, liars. You've got to get liars out of your life. And obviously, you don't ever want to become any of these people either. But I'll give you another one that this is kind of, um, it might be kind of controversial. But as long as we're talking about curating our relationships and making sure that we're surrounding ourselves. Now, we're dealing with this in, in, in the context of your purpose right? We're dealing with this in the context of your purpose. What are you called to do? How are you fulfilling that call? And are the people in your life helping you or hindering you from fulfilling that call? And the final one that I want to give you is uh, carnal people. 
fleshly people, people that aren't spiritual, and they don't have any desire to be spiritual people. That can be a massive problem, massive problem, because you start to get into a world it's like, okay, well, if I've got people that refuse to be spiritual, you know, Paul, did you realize that Paul, Paul rebuked uh, churches for being carnal people? And I'm sure you know that. I was dealing with it a little bit last night in the service. Paul rebuked church people for being carnal rather than spiritual in nature. It was the Corinthian church. And he said, the way you're acting, are you not acting like normal carnal people? He said, first of all, the way you're acting, I can't even do anything to help you. He said, I can't. Uh, I can't feed you with meat. I got to keep feeding you with milk. By the way, I'm taking this from 1 Corinthians 3. I can't feed you with meat. I got to keep feeding you with milk. And the reason for that is because you're carnal people and you stay carnal all the time. The way you're acting is carnal. He says not only is the way you're acting carnal, but he said you're acting like mere humans. Now, what does he mean by mere humans? Well, he's obviously talking to them and, and helping that they understand you're new creatures in Christ Jesus. You are supernatural people. You're not natural people. You're supernatural. You are completely redeemed, completely new on the inside. You've been united with Christ. You've got the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you. Don't be carnal people. Be supernatural people. Be people of the spirit, not people of the flesh. Be people of the spirit, not people of the flesh. God's looking for people of the spirit. Why? Well, there are certain things that only happen in the spirit, like being led by the spirit. And Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 tells us that all that are children of God are led by the spirit of God. All who are children of God are led by the spirit of God. What? Why are we trying to be carnal people? I don't want to be like this world. I don't want to be like this world. I don't want the culture of this world in my house. I don't want the thought process of this world in my house. I don't want to think like everybody else thinks in this generation. I don't want to be like everybody else in this generation. I don't want to be like some Christians in this generation. You say, well, you're pretty haughty, aren't you? You think you're better than everybody else? No, you can see the difference from Scripture between carnal and spiritual Christians. Paul commended the spiritual Christians, and he rebuked the carnal Christians. And let me tell you, there's tons of carnal people in the body of Christ right now. Tons. And they've, they're convinced this is the way Christianity should be. They're convinced that they've figured it out. And so, in all honesty, you got to guard yourself against carnal people. What does it mean to, to guard yourself against carnal people? One of the things that always blows my mind, when I see people who go to church, and you know they're nice enough people, but they're never engaged in anything spiritual. I always wonder about that. I would watch. Let me tell you, if, if my if my daughter, you, um, you should do this with your own children. If they want to date somebody, if they want to get in a relationship with somebody, bring that person to your church, and hopefully you're in a Holy Ghost church. And you watch how that person 
reacts in the anointing through the whole service. You watch if they sit there and they're creeped out and like looking around like, what the heck is it? Or you watch if they're entering in. Are they lifting their hands? Are they praising God? Are they singing? Are they shouting? You watch and see. Because let me tell you something. If I got somebody that's coming in and they're freaked out in a Holy Ghost service, you ain't got no business with my daughters or my son. No business whatsoever. No business whatsoever. You ain't dating my children. You're not getting in relationships in my family. Now, I'm not saying God can't change people, but why would you put yourself into a project to have somebody that's that, that serves the Lord? Lena said, what advice would you give to someone who has aligned themselves with unbelievers and believe they'll be blessed and fulfill purpose in those alignments after being told not to be unequally yoked? I would tell them, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's, that is literally a command in scripture from Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And I mean, Lena, you'd have to maybe be a little bit more specific, but you know, it's one thing to evangelize unbelievers. It's another thing to hang out with them and do what they do. It blows my mind how dumb many Christians have gotten. Like, I, I saw this one thing recently where, like, they had these uh, these people had a bar ministry. I was like, what's the bar ministry? Well, we, we go to the bar. And we just sit at the bar. We have some shots with people that are at the bar. Tell them about Jesus. Talk to me. You know, just, just evangelize. It's like, dude. You know, at what point do you get get it through your thick skull that you can't be like the world and reach the world? You can't be like the world. You know, if you're going to think that way, what what's to stop somebody from starting a strip club ministry? You know, we just go into the strip club. You know, we sit in there with, with the people that are in there. You know, we watch the show and. You know, and then while we're, you know, while while we're there watching some of the dancers, you know, we're telling them about Jesus and, you know, uh, you know, if you think this dancing's good, you should come dance in our church. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, when are you going to realize the foolishness of that approach? Yeah. Cinnamon needs Jesus too. You know, we got to get in there, you know, I'm just helping put our kids through college with these singles. You know, I just, when are we going to understand that you can't be in the world and reach the world? It's like I heard a pastor. He found a guy on the street um, that was an alcoholic, and he said, you know what? I want you to come to my church. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy you a six-pack, and you can come into my church, sit on the front row, and, and you can drink it while I'm preaching. You, you can drink it while I'm preaching right on the front row. It's like, dude, where do you stop? What if it's a, what if it's a cocaine addict? You're going to buy him a line of cocaine and give him a little mirror on the front row, a credit card? Let them line those line those lines up and hit that with a straw while you're preaching. Here's a hundred dollar bill. Just bang bang out that line while I'm while I'm getting into my text. You know what? If somebody struggles with lust, you're gonna buy them a lap dance while they're on the front row. Listen, you can do it right here on the front while I'm preaching. This is how dumb people have gotten in our generation. Dumb. D U M. Dumb. I mean, what are you gonna do? You're gonna be like the world and try to change the world. You're going to try to be like the world. You can't be like the world and change the world. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, there are no homeless people buying other homeless people homes. Because if they could, they'd buy themselves one first. You got to be out of the problems before you can help people with problems. Brian said he just preached on this Sunday. 
You, you can't be in the, you've got to be different from the world to help the world. If I'm in the same mess you're in, how am I going to help you? Because here's the thing. If I could, I would have helped myself already. You, you understand that, I'm sure. <laughs> how can I, it's like, how could I ever be a blessing to the poor if I'm poor myself? How can I ever pull somebody out of sin if I'm in sin myself? It doesn't work. You've got to be free first. And that's why if you, yeah, Lily says, just like having a therapist cry to you about their problems. That's right. And the thing that we've got to remember is that carnal Christianity is hurtful. That's why Paul rebuked it. Paul said, get free from that stuff. Get free from sin. Get into the spirit. Be led by the spirit. We're spiritual people. The weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. They're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. You understand? Paul was always pushing things back to the spirit realm. He wasn't pushing things back to the carnal realm, the natural realm. He was always focusing their minds back onto the spirit realm. Be led by the spirit. Fight in the spirit. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Weapons of a warfare are not carnal. They're my He's always pushing it back to the spirit, not carnality. And that's the key. I don't want carnal people around me that aren't spiritual. Because what, under, what ends up happening is that instead of trusting the Lord, they just trust carnal systems. They trust carnal systems. And then they act like you're a nut job or you're, or you're not responsible. See what I'm doing here. You're not responsible because of the fact you trust in the spiritual realm. Oh, really? That's what that's the route you're gonna go. Oh, that's what you're gonna do. You know, here's the other thing, too. If people are carnal, they can't even understand why you make spiritual decisions. They can't even understand why you make spiritual decisions. They they don't get it. And they won't get it as long as they're not spiritual. They won't get it. And you can't be disappointed that they don't get it. You just have to do what God's called you to do. But in the, in the context of your purpose, what you got to understand is if I'm going to truly fulfill what God wants me to do and, and, to, and literally come through on it, I can't surround myself with carnal people and listen to what they have to say and listen to all the, well, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I mean, you got to look at the natural. You got to see what's going on in the world. No. They'll mock you, they'll ridicule you, they will disagree with you, they will act like you're a fool for the for the choices you're making, all these different things. And the only reason is because they're not spiritual, they're carnal. You look at somebody in a church service. I look, I wonder sometimes about people, you know, and it blows my mind because they like to hide behind, well, you know, brother, I'm just not emotional, I'm a pretty, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty... Uh, you know, conservative person. It's not about being emotional. It's about sp being spiritual. I'm not an emotional person in that way. I'm not crying all the time about everything. I'm, a, I'm not emotional in that way. I'm pretty principally driven. But that doesn't mean I don't get excited. But my excitement is a spiritual thing. You know, if you see me dancing in church, if you see me shouting, if you see me jumping, if you see me praising, if you see me crying, it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm emotional. I'm not emotional. I'm led by the Spirit. I can sense what the Spirit's doing, right? And that's the key. 
If I'm praising God, that's out of the spirit, not the flesh. If the his, I'm not even a crier. I don't cry. My wife was like, man, I knew there was a problem with you. She was like, there was something, I had something happen with one of my teeth in the back of my mouth a few years ago. And I don't cry. I don't cry over anything. I don't, <laughs> it sounds bad. I don't cry when people die. <laughs> I, mean, it's like, I just don't cry. I'm not a crier. I'm a pretty happy person. And, and I just don't cry. I, mean, I can't cry. I'm like Chandler and friends in that one episode. I can't cry. And, uh, but she said, I knew there was a problem with you because we came out of that, that, that meeting with the dentist and he had, he had done some work, but it was still, I needed help. And I'm like, she's in there trying to get me some stuff out of, out of Walmart. And I'm in the parking lot, like get back out here and take me back. And she said, I got in the car and you were crying. Like, that's how bad the pain was. I was like, oh, it was bad. <laughs> she said, I knew it was bad because I, you don't cry. I'm not an emotional person. So if you see me crying in church, if you see me laughing, if you see me jumping, if you see me dancing, if you see me shouting, that's not stuff based in the flesh. That's not carnality. That's not emotion. That's spiritual. For God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so I'm, I'm giving you this final warning. Be careful about filling your life with carnal people because we live in a spiritual kingdom and, and obeying the word of God is a spiritual action. Obeying things, you'll do things that the Bible tells you to do that doesn't make sense to the natural realm, doesn't make sense to the natural mind. It does not make sense, but we do it because the word of God commands us to do it. Who loves their enemies? Who doesn't try to get revenge on their enemies? You see what I mean? And so, you know, who, who, who lives like that? Brian said, Jesus wept, Ted. Come on. Jesus wept. That's right. He cried. But you, you understand. You can't be a carnal person or surround yourself with carnal people and think you're going to uh, set yourself up for uh, success. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And if you, if all the people you've surrounded yourself with are carnal people, they're not spiritual, how in the world are they sharpening you? How in the world are they preparing you for what's to come? How in the world are they gonna strengthen you if they're not even spiritual people? It's not gonna work. It doesn't work that way. And so you gotta guard yourself. And again, before I pray for you, hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying we're against people or uh, none of that. The point I'm making is that you are important. Your purpose is important, right? Your purpose is important. What God's called you to do is vital. And because it is, you have got to be discerning about the relationships that are in your life. I believe in the Victory Tribe so much that I'm giving you these, these words of wisdom because I know, I know how anointed you are. I know the call that's upon your life. I know that God has plans to use you in these final moments of time. But one of the things, and the reason I've been doing this last two days, is that I literally 
have talked to so many people, so many people that have been pulled out of doing what they're called to do because they surrounded themselves with the wrong people. I mean, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you. Or how about this? People that get saved, come to the altar, give their life to God, pray the prayer of salvation, have a true experience of salvation, and then they go back into the world and they go back to the same relationships that they always had. And those people get back around them and then get them back into doing the same stuff they've always done. And then instead of being discipled by being surrounded by spiritual people, they go back to that old life where nobody's saved and they get pulled right back into living the way that they always did. You know, it's funny to me that Christians don't understand this, but the world does. It's like when you get out of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, obviously they tell you that you're not to go back around people. You have somebody that's your, uh, like your accountability partner, right? That's that's watching out. How you doing? What are you, where are you going? Who are you hanging out with? You're not supposed to be going back around the same people, going back to bars, hanging out at bars. What do you think is going to happen? I'm a recovering alcoholic. Well, then don't hang around bars. <laughs> don't go drink. Don't go hang around people that are drinking, right? If you had a problem, you're not going back around that. You don't take a person that used to be a drug addict and then put them back in a drug house, go hanging out at parties where people are doing drugs. That's a recipe for disaster. People get that in the world. They're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We wouldn't put a, an alcoholic back around drinks again. Yeah, but people do it in the church. You get people saved and then you send them right back into the same environment and you don't create a new environment for them. And as a result, they don't get discipled. They go back to what they used to be. Why? They won't cut off wrong relationships. They won't cut them off. So let me finish with giving you this because I'm going to give you a biblical license to do some cutting. Hallelujah. A biblical license to do some cutting, some cutting off. And there is, listen, it's not that we're mad at people or anything like that. It's just that you've got to be very discerning. And you got to know what to do. Look at this. The Bible says in Titus chapter 3, verse 10. Right, Lilia said, I used to believe that I was going to lead them to Christ if I stayed around them, but then came to the terms that they were trying to change me too. Exactly right. Exactly right. Listen to this now. Titus 3, verse 10. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and he is self Condemned. That's Titus chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. After warning him once, after warning him twice, have nothing more to do with him. Person is warped, sinful, self-condemned. Now think about this. That's also kind of a proof, isn't it, that they don't love you? Because wouldn't they make some changes to be with you if they loved you? Right? 
So if you got a person that's always doing these things that we cover today and they won't change even when confronted, they don't love you. They don't care enough about you to make those changes that would be helpful and healthy changes. And so you got to be discerning. And the Bible's clear on it. Don't continue to beat your head against a wall. I just gave you biblical license to do some cutting. Because you know you, you do realize this, don't you? Those type of people are the ones the enemy will send a hang on you and tell you it can't be done. You shouldn't do it. You don't, you're thinking more highly of yourself. God, you oh, you really think you're a spiritual superhero now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Pastor Brian, you can do it. In fact, there's times you should stand up in the church and just call some names and eject some folks, send them on their way. <laughs> but it's true. And let me tell you, one of the things that'll happen as a benefit, and then I'm gonna pray, is that number one, you will experience increased faith. Why? Because people aren't gonna be tearing it down all the time. Number two, you will experience increased peace because you won't have all this confrontation all the time and all these problems all the time. It'll be increased peace and increased joy and increased rest because you're not always at odds with somebody and getting upset. Did you hear what somebody, you hear what she said last week? I can't believe she even thinks like that. And that becomes your topic of conversation. Increased peace, increased joy, increased rest, increased faith, Hallelujah. I don't have to live a life of drama where I'm always upset about what somebody said. You know why? I don't have those people. <laughs> I don't have them. I've already gotten rid of them. <laughs> They're already out of the life. Already out. So you're a preacher. You're a Christian. Absolutely. And by the way, just a side note there. So well, you're supposed to be held to a higher standard. You're a minister. Who do you think I was just reading to you from? Paul the apostle was writing to Titus. That's a pastoral epistle. It's a pastoral epistle. He's, he's giving instruction to the leader. Have nothing more to do with them. And so you see the example. And don't be a bit ashamed of it. Part of what happens on that cutoff is it makes them take stock of their life. Why have they cut me off? Why won't they talk to me anymore? Why won't they why won't they hang with me anymore? Make somebody take stock of their life. What's the deal? What makes them think? That's why Paul cut that man out of the church in Corinth. He said, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his soul. And then later, in 2 Corinthians, he says, All right, he's been out long enough. Now bring him back in. Makes people take stock. What's going on? Why is this happening? you you know why it's happening, because we've talked about it. It'll help you. Trust me when I tell you, this will help you in every area of your life by making sure you guard your relationships, curate your relationships, and do it by the word of God. Know what kind of people God's looking for and surround yourself with them. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person that's watching this live or on the replay or listening on the podcast. I pray in Jesus' name that today, you would open our eyes in the spirit realm. Lord, maybe we've not seen these things before. Open our eyes today supernaturally and let us see clearly the relationships that are holding us back, relationships that are literally destroying our purpose. 
And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us boldness to make changes where changes need to be made. Give us compassion for those that can be changed. Use us for your glory. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that every person that's watching, listening, that's pursuing their purpose by faith, let this be the most explosive year that they've ever had in Jesus' name. The most explosive year that they've ever experienced in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you and we give you praise. Amen. Before we go, I want to encourage you to sow a seed today. As I was teaching, I felt, and I don't often feel this, but I felt like there are people that God's speaking to on this broadcast today that the Lord's been dealing with you about sowing largely into this ministry. And you know, I never say stuff like this. And so to, to say it, you know, I heard it from the Holy Spirit that the Lord's dealing with some people that are watching right now to sow largely into the ministry. The Lord's been talking to your heart about sowing a seed that's significant. Obey his voice. That means he's got a blessing for you on the other side. He's got an increase for you on the other side. So step out and do that by faith. Whatever it is he's encouraging you to do, could be $1,000, could be $10,000. Do what the Lord is speaking to you to do today. If you want to sow a seed today, you can go to miracleword.com. All of the ways to give are right there on the website. You can give by debit or credit card, of course, on the site. You can use Cash App or Venmo, PayPal, Zelle, Transfer. Uh, there's many different ways you can give digitally, but we're encouraging you today. If you're one of those people that have put your trust in the post office and still believe in sending a check through snail mail, believing God that one day we'll receive that, uh, our website has our mailing address on the bottom of every page, and you can send it that way. So Rose said, I felt uh, led to increase my monthly giving during the broadcast today. How do I change my monthly amount? You go to miracleword.com, and when you go to the giving page, the partner page, you can sign into your account, and you can change the amount or the frequency. You can change everything about your seed within your account. If you need help, Rose, um, you can always send an email to Jenna at miracleword.com, J-E-N-N-A at miracleword.com. Jenna can call you, Rose, and walk you through uh, doing what you need to do in order to do that. And we say thanks for being a partner and, st and standing with us and sewing. And so um, you can do it that way. If you'd like to partner with us, you can set up, as Rose is saying, a monthly seed you'd like to sow. And, uh, and it can come out as often as you'd like. You can set the frequency and how much you'd like to sow monthly. And for everybody that's sowing this month, uh, the month of May, which, man, is finally, it's coming to an end already. I can't believe it. It's the, what is today, the 24th? Wow. Coming to the end uh, of May, but for this month, Prayer That Brings Revival by Dr. David Young Cho, powerful. For those that are sowing $1,000 or more, one of my favorite Bible study tools, the Life Application Study Bible. And for those of you that are sowing largely, $5,000 or more, we have put together the Elite Study Collection for you. This thing is so amazing. I'm getting ready to show you pictures of it coming up very soon. Uh, when everything comes into our hands and we've packaged it, you're going to be blown away. This thing is gorgeous. And it's everything you need to go deep in Bible study uh, at, the, at this first level as a believer. It will help you immensely, and you'll love it. Uh, and so I say thank you. I'm here in Buffalo again tonight, tomorrow night, at the Buffalo Dream Center. 
All the details are at miracleword.com. And then starting Thursday, I will be in Horseheads, New York, his tabernacle, Pastors Mike and Rhonda Spencer, Pastor Cody Spencer, Mindy Spencer. And uh, looking forward to that. It's going to be awesome. Love you too, Lenan. Thanks for hanging. Sandra, love you. Um, yeah, Jennifer. I know it. I know it. I can tell. I can tell. It was so great to see you last night. I meant for us to get a picture and never got a chance. Will you be there again tonight? I don't know. Oh, yeah. You said can't wait for tonight. Make sure, Jennifer, that we get a chance to do that. I've been posting these pictures of the Victory Tribe. I don't want to miss you. So if we can do it, let's get a let's get a picture tonight before we go. And um, and I want to post that on Instagram. I love seeing you guys in these meetings and when we're traveling um, and would love, love, love to see you. Uh, all of our meetings coming up are uh, are on the website and uh, make plans to come and hang with us, come and be with us because they've they've been powerful and I can't wait to see you in person. And um, I'm looking forward to it. So I love you. I'll be back again tomorrow morning right here on YouTube only, uh, 10.30 a.m. New York City time. Really, really appreciate you. Um, now, this week, we've got another video for the kids coming out. And we've got the new magazine that's going to draw up for the summer very soon. Uh, and so if you'd like to sign up because you don't get it, get it. Um, if you've not signed up to be a part of the text family, literally go to miracleword.com forward slash text. And uh, when I sent it, like today I was texting you, you can send me prayer requests. We can stay in touch. If you don't have that yet, go sign up and put your contact information in my phone. Let's stay connected, man. Uh, it's the best way to do it nowadays as the algorithm's li limiting us um, literally on a lot of these social media platforms. Let's stay connected via text message. And um, it's the best way to do it. I love you so much. Thanks for hanging with me today. Thank you for sowing seeds. Thanks for being a part of the ministry and uh, being a part of the Victory Tribe. I love you guys so much. Have a good one, and I'll see you tonight and tomorrow morning. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.